across the nation, they're tuning in Australia on a Sunday morning. Philippa calls. She's a dairy farmer. Uh, how's it going? My name's Doug, and I'm on my way back to Darwin to go back to work. What do you do, Dougie? I'm a ringer. You're a little possum. Whereabouts? Well, I'm a contract master, so we're based about 150k southeast of Catherine, and then sort of go everywhere from the floodplains up near Darwin to the WA border near Halls Creek, and then, yeah, everywhere in between. At the end of the year, we're working up in the floodplain, and it all gets pretty slippery and muddy up there when it starts raining. And yeah, we were loading boat cattle, and I got run over quite a few times by some big mickeys, but um, they, no, they, they don't do too much damage. Yeah, you've got to be really careful. I think I'm only 19, so I'd probably bounce back a bit better than an 80 year old. Why did you decide to become a ringer? Was it in the family, Doug, or what? Oh, not really. Both my parents are teachers, but um, they taught up in Normanton for a few years before I was born. And then, yeah, I just finished school in 2021 and then thought I'd do something a bit different before I, I head off to uni or figure out what I'll do with myself. It'll be hard for you to go to uni, mate. What are you going to do? I got into law when I finished year 12, but I'm not too sure if I want to do it anymore. All right, Dougie, good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Cheers, mate, Macca. Oh. He picks me up. When I feel down, I wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. Ooh, it's cold this morning for Nancy's chooks. They're walking dogs, they're writing books. As Trevor stacks his bottles by the roadside. On you, Trev. In Turak, T.I., Tumbarumba, at the Lodge and Yarralumla. They might be listening to Macca on a Sunday morning. My week starts with Macca on a Sunday morning. Mine too. Good, good morning and welcome. I've been on the road this week and met a lot of people, you know, all over news, which is at quarter to eight, you'll meet people that I've met on the road. It's always great, isn't it, to come across people. I came across a relative of um, Hudson, Sir Hudson Fish from Qantas. There's that little story and a watchmaker, a watch repairer. Uh, he tells us an interesting story and, uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff this morning. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. It's Mark here, mate. Hi, Mark. Just on the uh, way back into Adelaide this morning, Macca. A bit overcast and not as hot as Moomba. I've been up at Moomba this week in the truck, running supplies up there. All oh, right, that's what you, that's your gig, is it, Mark? Yeah, yeah, it seems to be at the moment, mate. I started here in the new year. I was running the highway going over to Perth and that forum, and they thought, oh, you look like you're... Might be able to handle a bit of dirt running, so they started sending me up there. I've been up there about seven or eight times now. So, and that's a you get off the bitumen to get to Moomba? Yeah, you get to Lindhurst, mate, and you turn off there, and it turns to dirt pretty quick after that. There's a few hundred k's of it up there. Wow. Varying conditions. Yeah. I'll say. So, it's pretty busy up there in the gas fields? Once you get there, it is, mate. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a of activity once you're up there. There's not many people on the roads, but trackers, they're just us truckies. On the track there, yeah, you get the odd four wheel drive passing through, but not, not many terrorists up there, mate. Tourists, I should say. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's probably good. I, I think that they're, they're, the roads are probably a bit questionable, are they? Or they keep them graded, yeah. I suppose. If it's a if it's gas field, they probably keep them graded, do they? Oh, uh, I haven't seen a grader for a bit up there, mate. The, yeah, the corrugations are getting pretty bad again. A couple of blowouts up the other end in the sandy stuff starts to get a few holes in it. But, uh, Overall, it's not too bad at the moment. So it's an interesting run, but Mackie, you go up over the Flinders Ranges. Yeah. Up, uh, yeah, Oruru, Hawker, up, up through that way. Yeah, it's a good test of truck here going up over there, mate. 
Well, it's lovely. As I said this morning, it's, there's something about going through the Great Divide when you're in the Great Dividing Range, which run, sort of runs up the east coast of Australia, really down from, and ends up in New Guinea. I think the the Great Dividing Range, if you know what I mean, that that sort of, and the, the Flinders is the same. It's you look at it off in the distance, wherever you are. You know, you might be in Corn or something. It's it's sort of magical when you look at it from the distance. But I suppose when you drive through it too, it's uh, it's yeah, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a special place, Macker. You just look at it, you just you just feel the ancientness of it. I'll say, I'll say. Yeah. So how long yeah. you how long you been driving a truck, Mark? Oh, about twenty years now. Mm. Yeah, all over us. Yeah, I've been here. Oh, the last job I had, we used to go everywhere, and this job's the same. If we're not carting the mines of that up in the interior of South Australia, we um, oh, cart a bit of military gear, which which takes us everywhere. Apparently, I only just started here this year, but yeah, the boys were saying they'll get jobs carting military gear, so you'll be on the road for a few weeks going up to Darwin, Townsville, stuff like that, so we get around a bit. Yeah, well, I'm 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 always amazed. I've just we've just been on the road. We're still on the road and and driving up the main drags and uh, of Australia. And I just look at all the trucks and I see trucks. You know, I've been doing this a while, and you, you know, you, the, you're used to seeing trucks like Doug Hayes Transport and stuff. But I see a whole lot of new ones that I've never seen before, and and I think it's exciting too because, as you say, you know, you know, you never know what you're going to carry, and it's you know, like you know, light globes to Perth, light globes back, toilet paper to Perth, toilet <laughs> paper back, Coca-Cola from Brisbane yeah. to Melbourne, and Melbourne to Brisbane, the same thing, and and all the things in military gear, and then you see loads that are covered and I think I wonder what that is um, you know strange looking things on the back of trucks and because yeah. everything, everything's got to be carried on a truck uh, Mark oh well, that's true we're not going to not going to anything done without them yeah, it's it's an amazing industry to be in Macca it's um, done well for me I've seen all Australia and had some great times yeah it's a, it's a challenge some days but and how do you how do you go I, yeah how do you go with because um, I you know I see uh, truck stops and, and then the odd truck, he rings me and says, I'm parked in a truck bay and he said, I'm cooking my breakfast. I always take my own things and I've got my own. You take, they take their own food and they prepare it all and others go into truck stops because I suppose it's easy. You've got to spend a bit of time if you're going to feed yourself. You've got to pack it all and oh, do all that sort of yeah. stuff. Oh, well, I'm lucky, Mac. My, my wife prepares all my meals and... So I've got a fridge and a freezer and a microwave and a telly and bloody everything in here, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky that the company I work for really, really set us up. Yeah, it's just amazing what they've provided for us as far as the, the, all the gadgets in the truck. Like they've, yeah, they've, they couldn't think of anything else to put on this truck, I don't think, mate. mate. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky, mate. I only just moved in to Adelaide on, in December, Macker, and I got in the car and got back on the main road and head back towards town. This was the first company I sort of drove past and they looking at the gear. I thought, well, that looks pretty good. I might as well stop in and say good day. And they there, but he give me a go. And, uh, yeah, and they're a really good company. But, um, yeah, moved the family over to Adelaide to live the coastal lifestyle. Back we're living just up north, just up the peninsula from Port Adelaide on the Lafiva Peninsula. Oh, it's been, it's been terrific. I've got three kids under 10 and just wanted to give them that coastal lifestyle and, and they're sure getting it there, mate. They're all going to school there at the Ocean View College that's right across the road from the beach. And, oh, they're just having a terrific life there, Macca. They've got everything there at their fingertips. Everything's walking distance. They don't have to get the car out to go anywhere. And uh, it's just a terrific life there. Good on you, Mark. Great to talk to you, mate.
Yeah, really good to catch up with you, Mac. It's been a few years, mate. But uh, you take it easy. Yeah, you, boys, mate. You, you too, mate. Good on you. Oh, g'day, Macca. Tom Robertson speaking. How are you going? Good, thanks, Tom. That's the ticket, mate. Um, yeah, just calling from Colcan, southern New South Wales. Beautiful day down here. Clear skies and, yeah, I think it's meant to be the same as the last couple of days. It's meant to give 40 a nudge again today, so it's going to be pretty warm. I'll say, I'll say. Yes. Uh, what are you doing, Tom? Oh, mate, Tom, actually, uh, I finished uh, spreading a bit of cow manure in one of our paddocks at 3 o'clock this morning, Macca, so I'm just back here having a look and uh, seeing how the job looks in the daylight, and it looks all right, which is good. You work early in the morning, of course, because it's much, 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 much cooler. Exactly right, mate, exactly. Mate, Tol, um, I was just going to have a quick chat to you about uh, one of your previous callers a couple of weeks ago. I think he's um, he was a young fella um, based in southern Queensland. I think his name was Dougal or Doug, um, and he was just about to head off and um, spend his second year in the Territory, I think, as a, as a ringer. And I was just going to, um, yeah, maybe just give you shed a little bit of light on my time up there and sort of... Um, yeah, just uh, and yeah, offer you know, hopefully offer a little bit of advice to any young people that might be listening or parents of young people that might be listening, um, and just encourage them to give their kids to do to have an opportunity like that. Uh, if you didn't mind, no, that's uh, that's that's fine, Tom. You're in Colcan, is that right? On the uh, that's right, mate. Yeah, on the exactly. southern railway line between Sydney and Melbourne. Exactly, mate. Yeah, mm. no, it comes through. A fair few trains come through uh, every day, and. Um, but yeah, Macarin, I'm 34 now, but when I was uh, 26, I'd, I mean, well, from the, a young age, I'd always had a bit of an inkling I wouldn't mind spending a bit of time on a cattle station, but um, always found other reasons in life not to do it. Um, and uh, when I finished school, I thought, oh, I'd better go and get further education. So I went to uni, and when I finished uni, I thought, oh, I'd better go and apply my trade. And um, anyways, after a couple of years of doing that, um, I was still frustrated that I hadn't been to the north, and I thought, bugger it, I'm going to do it. And... Um, yeah, just looked around, hunted around and tried to find a station that I thought it sort of um, suit me and, and whatnot and I suited them hopefully and yeah, I did. I ended up in um, the West Kimberley in, uh, yeah, in the Kimberley of WA and uh, on a place called Liveringa Station and um, yeah, Macker, I just, I suppose the summary of all this is that um, I'd never, I'd actually never really handled cattle or anything before I went but I just, for some reason, I'd, I mean, I'd always been involved in agriculture. hadn't had much to do with or anything to do with cattle, but had always had an inkling to go. And I went and um, I went to go for one season. I ended up staying for three. Um, came came home in the wet season and um, did other things. But yeah, went back up each year for the for the mustering season. And um, yeah, without sounding like a too much like an infomercial, it sort of changed the for the better. Changed the course of my life. It um, yeah, and I just sort of. Sort of thought that I'd, um, yeah, just reiterate, uh, I suppose, Dougal or Doug's story from a couple of weeks ago that you, I think he was bound to, to go and do engineering or something at uni and he had an idea that he wanted to go and um, he's going and doing it and uh, who knows where he'll end up afterwards and it's not to say you've got to be in that industry forever but it's just such an amazing experience. So I think I'd encourage anyone that's ever got half an idea that they might want to do it just to go and do it and see, see what happens. Well, exactly. I think that was Doug and that was a couple of weeks ago and I think he was going that's to do right. law but he was only 19 but he'd already been up there for a season and he was going back and, and he just loved it um, and he didn't, he didn't know whether he was going to go back to uni but <laughs> he was taking like a break here. And, and this morning yep. I had a call from, uh, who was it, um, Chris, who'd been down to Yanko because his son's yeah. at Yanko and he's from yeah. Brisbane and, and they've got no, but they're, they're Brisbane, you know, suburban people and and the son just wanted to go to do ag. So he's gone down to Yanko yeah. College and he's loving it. And uh, yeah. and I've got another friend uh, uh, at uh, a young girl. Um, she's at, uh, like 20, 21 and she's at Anthony Lagoon Station and she's, 
you know, on the Barclay, and uh, she's out there um, doing doing that. Uh, Alicia's her name, and she's uh, she's loving it. And there's water everywhere out there, you know, because there's been a lot of rain in Australia. Um, so, yeah, and funnily enough, when I was and I grew up in the suburbs, <laughs> and I was going to be a farmer, of course. Um, yeah, I'm going to be a farmer. Uh, and it didn't work out that way, but I wanted to be. I was probably like you, but I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But <laughs> life just didn't turn out that way. But, yeah, when you – people who do it and you look back, it's just a great – you're in a new environment, you're meeting new people. This can be dangerous, uh, Tommy, can't it? I mean, working with cattle, <laughs> very dangerous. You've got to keep your eyes and ears open all the time. You do, Macca, and just to touch on that, I actually ended up in Derby Hospital for what was meant to be probably two days, and I ended up in there for three weeks because I got, uh, yeah, I got horned by a bull, unfortunately, Ooh, uh... in the back of my leg, and yeah, ended up with an infection, and um, yeah, consequently spent three weeks in hospital trying to get that under control. So certainly, certainly can be dangerous, but um, well, yeah, it, yeah. Those, those sorts of incidents certainly uh, the positives certainly outweigh the negatives, and as you said just then, Macca, like I met people from literally all over the world. Um, and all walks of life, um, and I'm still in contact. That was, I left in 2016, I did the three years up there, came home in 2016, and, um, yeah, I'm still in contact with a lot of those people today. And it's honestly one of the, you know, even just watching the sunrise here this morning, it just, uh, once, yeah, nothing, I mean, the sunrise here is beautiful, but um, it still reminds me every time I see the sunrise of my time in the Kimberley, the sunrises and the sunsets, and, yeah, just every experience you have up there, Mac, is just um, it's just something that like you've probably never experienced before. And yeah, I just encourage anyone that's had an inkling to whether you whether you're involved in agriculture already or you're not. Um, what I always the, my, one of my fondest memories of the north is that it is genuinely it's a bit of a throwaway comment, but it's genuinely the land of opportunity. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've done in the past. They'll all, someone up there will always give you a go. Um, and yeah, I just, it, I, as I said, I just can't reiterate it enough. If anyone, <laughs> anyone thinks about having a crack at it, then yeah, certainly go up there and, and have a bit of fun and, Tommy, and have, what do you, have a great experience. What do you do now? Oh, Mac, I probably don't want to say too much because I've, I've called you too many times in the last couple of weeks. I'm a spreading contractor in southern New South Wales. Oh, that's now, right. But, no, I, I, but, I was going to say, I think, you know, forget that. You need to be an influencer. That's oh, a, I don't that's, know about that, that mate. That's not what your job is. <laughs> But not at all. But, um, but you know, like, again, mate, my, I came home because my passion was to try and buy a farm. I'm, um, just to give you a little bit of background, I, like I was clinically, <laughs> clinically diagnosed as severely dyslexic when I was nine. And um, I've sort of always been told that my whole life that I couldn't do a lot of things. And uh, one of the things I was always told is I'd never be able to sort of probably be too successful and probably never buy a farm. And I set out to probably prove those two, that those two things wrong. Yeah. And um, the only reason I'm a spreading contractor is I love doing it. I love the people I meet. But... Uh, but it's all a crutch to, uh, to to keep pursuing our farming dreams. So, um, yeah, anyways, mate, that's, that's getting sidetracked. But I just, right. yeah, just like to encourage anyone to have a crack at it. it was like Stu, I just read Stewie's email here and he said, you know, be a tradie, you know. I'm, yep. I'm, what do you call yourself, a brusher or a brushy? A brusher, uh, He yeah, said, I've, did, I've yeah. just been out at... Uh, Alice Airport, painting a, painting a 380. <laughs> then I went to the police station in Mutajulu and painted that. And now I'm at uh, Charles Darwin University meeting people. And if you want to get on, be a tradie, you know. You well, take, as they t- say, t- Mac, a variety is twice a life. So it sounds like, uh, yeah, you certainly got that down, Pat. You talked about the sunrise. Tom, did you yep. see the moonrise last night or this morning? Well, I did, yeah. I, yeah, I did actually. It was, um, yeah, it was phenomenal down this part of the world. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it, it was a perfectly clear night too. The stars are out as well. It's... um. Yeah, one of the benefits of working late and starting early is to uh, a beautiful sunrises and sunsets, that's for sure. Oh, I've got a song about the moonrise. Good on you, Tom. Good on you, Maka. Thanks very much.
This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News on the road. And this group was literally on the road. I met them in Grafton. I'm in the great river town of Grafton in New South Wales and a little pile of bikes. You see people driving around Australia. Your name is? Brett Tippett. Tell me the story, Brett. We're just big river ass guys. We uh, go out and ride some adventure bike rides uh, whenever we can and uh, just enjoy the country and enjoy uh, uh, the adventures. Where are you from? Uh, Brisbane. It's, it's fantastic. Northern New South Wales is a wonderful place and uh, great, great bike riding around here and uh, the weather's a bit challenging today, yeah, especially warm. for Greg yesterday. What's your name? Uh, Greg. Uh, Greg, uh, tell me your story. Oh, I'm one of Brett's mates from Brisbane. Uh, we just come down and get on the, get on the bikes, get on the beers and uh, get out and enjoy ourselves. So how, pretty good. How often do you do this? Oh, once a month. Once a month? Yeah. Wow. So... Are you all retired or what? No, no, still, still working. Mm-hmm. Yep, having a few days off. And what does the bike do for you when you get out dry, riding? Oh, it gets me hard. And what do you do when you're not riding? I work for cash converters. Your name is? Uh, Brent. We're not on the Venture bikes. Um, we're on the Harleys. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, me and Dave, we just cruise around, follow these guys, but do the road. How long have you been riding a bike? Uh, on and off since I was, I don't know, a little kid on a mini bike or something. A few years I didn't ride one when I had kids and that, but yeah, back into it now. Yeah, yeah really enjoy it. Good fun. Yeah, great fun, mate. Yeah. And where do you go apart from here? You always go around here from? Um, no, no. Um, being up, you know, just out west, we just pick different routes and go. You know, me and Dave usually by ourselves. Great way to see Australia, isn't it? Oh, it's great. Yeah, and great little towns. Places like this are really cool to stay. You know, units are cheap. Great pub. Good feed. Good thing you weren't here when the river was running. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. We've had our fair, fair share of floods too in Brisbane. So yeah. Yes. So Brett, what do you do? I am a uh, theatre orderly at, at a hospital in Brisbane, a private hospital. Yes. Busy. It's always busy. Private hospitals. There's always uh, people that need to be uh, mended. Pretty rewarding that way to help people out. And what sort of bike have you got? Oh, I've got the, uh, the the best you can get actually, the uh, KDM 1290 Super Adventure. Of course. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? It's, it's a pure pleasure machine. Absolutely great to ride. Yeah. So you take all your gear with you, your clothes and whatever. Yeah. The, the, well, because we're staying at a motel now, we you, you take that very limited stuff, you know, you just your clothing, obviously, but uh, sometimes we get out and go camping and put panniers or bags on the side and, and take everything we need with us. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's but we're travelling right now because we're only doing a three-day trip. Well, nice to meet you, and, uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, big fan, Macca. All Thanks. the best. My next guest has a famous Australian surname, Fish, F-Y-S-H. Yeah, Qantas. Have a listen. Your yeah. name's Fergus Fish. Fergus yeah, Fish. That's it. Yeah. How are you, Fergus? Very well, thanks, Ian. That's yeah. good. Well, what's this photo you got here? Well, we wanted to celebrate the first Qantas passenger flight to Cloncurry, mm-hmm. and it landed on the 3rd of November 1923. So we just thought we'd build a monument. And how it started was my grandfather was broken axle in the bed of the Cloncurry River, and a fellow called McGuinness, who was there surveying the air route from London to Australia air race, right? Anyway, he and grandfather got together and he helped grandfather get out of the river and grandfather was quite impressed and they started talking about an aerial service from Western Queensland. Anyway, that eventuated in a meeting in Brisbane in August 1920. And the first flight wasn't until the 3rd of November 1923. So we yeah. erected this monument on the bank of the Cloncurry River. It looks like a lovely bit of rusty iron. Yeah, and... well, it's quite unique. And that's the broken-down car, and that's the plaque there. And the plaque says, A chance encounter in November 1919 between pastoralist Fergus McMaster an aviator, Paul McGuinness, in the dry bed of the Cloncurry River, was instrumental in the formation of an air service in outback Queensland. 
Fergus had broken the axle of his car and he crossed the river and McGuinness was able to repair the damage. This led to a meeting in August 1920 at the Gresham Hotel in Brisbane between Fergus McMaster, Paul McGuinness, Hudson Fish, Ainsley Templeton and Alan Campbell. It was decided to purchase an aeroplane and establish the Queensland and Northern Territory Aerial Services Company, which became Qantas. Fergus McMaster was chairman and Hudson Fish, the managing director and later chairman. The first passenger flight landed at Cloncurry on the 3rd of November 1922 and the first passenger was 84-year-old Alexander Kennedy and the pilot Hudson Fish. And the commemoration plaque was provided by the Fish brothers, Stuart, Fergus, who I'm talking to, Duncan and Frith in 2022. And it's Fergus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fergus, where do you live? I live in Grafton, but yeah. I came from Cloncurry in oh. north-west Queensland. You've got that Queensland accent. So That's right, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Fergus, what do you do? Well, I'm retired now. I was in the stud industry in Hay for 20 years. Mm. But I was heading back north to Queensland and stopped on the Clarence and bought a property here, but got a compost business going. And then I retired a few years ago, but now I'm a beekeeper. <laughs> How many bees you got? Oh, we've got about 100 hives, but we got a lot wiped out the other day with that virus thing. Yes. Varroa? Yes, yes, bad news. Yeah, I'm just a hobby beekeeper, but I wouldn't like to be doing it as a fully grown industry. You're a hobby keeper with 100 hives? Yeah, well, I got a, I'm only a jackaroo, really. We've got to follow the main fellow. I just help there. But yeah, we get beautiful honey here. Yeah. We have the hives on the blueberry farms down Woolgulga, and the Indians want them there to pollinate. So that goes really well. So we get blueberry honey. Blueberry honey? What's it? <laughs> Tastes beautiful. I, I remember somebody was telling Bart Cummings about this wonderful um, honey. What's a Manuka honey? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Bart says, they're all the same bees, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Everyone got Manuka honey could have doubled the price. <laughs> exactly. You can double the price. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's good. All right, well, I just like doing something. I've always been productive, growing food, you know, and that's uh, I'm 86 now. We need more people like you, Fergus. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Some people wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> oh, no, I've always, I was in the stud industry. I loved growing wool, stud sheep, and then I came up here in the cattle, but that's a bit of a disaster area, paying 20% interest and uh, getting $100 for your cattle. Yeah. Didn't work out. But, uh, Look at the prices now. Oh, unreal, yeah. You get $2,000 now. Anyway, they deserve it too. Cost a lot of money. It's yeah. nice to meet you, Fergus. Yeah, good on you, Ian. Thanks a lot. Right, bye bye. Your name is uh, John Apps and Kate. Apps. Kate, yep. how are you two? Where are you from? Yeah, uh, James Creek. James Creek. Nobody between... knows where James yeah, Creek is. Yeah, well, that's between uh, Yamber and McLean. On the north coast yeah, of New North South Wales. Yep, yep. About half hour drive from uh, Omara. Where we're and at. how long have you lived there? Seven years. Tell me your story. Oh, well, I'm actually originally from Casino. Uh, I met John in Sydney and married him. And then we moved back to James Creek, which I really love. I love life, and John's probably not as happy at James Creek as I am because he's a city boy. All oh, yeah. right. No, more to do in Sydney than that, yeah. Uh, yeah. So how do you amuse yourself, John? Oh, i got a few, few brewed a few, bit of poultry and that, and, uh, yeah, just bug rides around, mowing lawns and that, and the grass is uh, nearly a constant job up here. But anyway, we're surviving, that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah. If you see the traffic in Sydney these days... Um... I was in Sydney the other weekend. It took an hour to drive from the Vauxhall Inn up to where he is on a Saturday morning on the freeway. Uh, chaotic, chaotic. It's all the same, isn't it? Yeah, we're born and read at Homebush. You want to see that now. 
bloody there's no car parking or anything. So anyway. Well, James Creek sounds like a, a good bet, there's Johnny. Plenty of car parking anyway. James, James Creek is heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice to talk to you, Kate. And, and you know, well, every Sunday morning we listen to you, Macca, and everybody else around us listens to you as well. And I've got a daughter in Ireland. And I laughed one day, you had the gentleman that rang from Ireland and he spoke to you and he said, Macca, we need somebody like you in Ireland to go around and talk to the people. <laughs> That's now, nonsense. Yeah, go on. Oh, it isn't nonsense. No, it would be lovely. It really would be lovely to have someone in. Oh, well, to be sure, to be sure. All right, John and Kate, nice well, to mate. meet you. All the best and uh, safe travel. See you in James Creek sometime. Yes, let's hope so, Macca. Okay, okay all the best. I'm talking to Martin Pierce up Grafton Way. Martin, what do you do? I'm a real estate agent. Uh, how'd you get into that? Well, I got into it in 2017. I was doing residential sales and I did that for a couple of years and I left and I moved to Sydney for a while and did videography work and stuff down there, mm. edit, video editing and that sort of stuff. I've just come back. They just offered me a job. So, yeah. Is that good? Keep coming back. Yeah. yeah, it's all right. Yeah, the COVID was pretty bad in Sydney. So, Did you like living in Sydney? It has its pros and cons, I think. You know, there's a lot more to do. But, yeah, no, you miss... I think when you're there, you do miss aspects of the country as well. And you grew up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grew up here. Born and raised here. So you're in real estate, basically? Yeah. Rural property specialists is what they are. They're a stock and station agent, so they sell cattle and and rural farms. And the prices never been better, have they, for cattle? No, well, everything's come back a bit, but that's because it was so crazy during COVID. So you can afford to come back a bit when you've gone up, you know, the percentages that they had gone up. So, yeah, things have died off a little bit but not much no still got a plenty of room to go back to pre-covid levels yeah and this is really a sleepy little town isn't it Almara? Almara, yeah well it's only i don't know how many people live here only a couple of hundred or so yeah but it's a historic community i think it's been here a long time now the highways there the way the the bypass has come through it's only um you can get up to alstonville in less than an hour now from from here yeah so martin what uh, floats your boat as i say well as i said when i was in sydney i did videography and stuff like that so you know video stuff like films short films and that sort of thing we've I've done a bit of so that that'd be my passion if I had to I like real estate too it's good like meeting a bit like your job I imagine you're meeting a lot of people uh, from different walks of life which is good people that you probably wouldn't meet otherwise well nice to talk to you Martin yeah, good you on too, you mate pleasure no yeah. worries at my house I've got a collection of clocks and watches that refuse to work anymore and who did I bump into but a, a watch and clock maker and repairer Doug Morris how are you Doug I'm very well, Macca. You're used to that story, I suppose, are you? Uh, almost, mm. yes. As a matter of fact, I came to the funeral here today and one of the congregation bought a clock in for me to repair to take back. So I've gone to bury someone and with a bit of luck I'll bury that clock. But the bloke won't surrender it, I'll have to fix it. So you're a dying breed, really, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. And so I hope the clocks, some of the clocks die. Some of them are terrible, but some of them are well worth repairing. Yeah, well, everything's digital now, but isn't it? I mean, no, not everything at all. As a matter of fact, if you look around, especially the youngsters, they seem to look for the quality of the the better quality watches, mechanical watches. I was fortunate. I started 57 years ago. We repaired 10 watches a day, every day, and we could just take the parts off the shelf in front of us. These days, if we need a part, sometimes. We got to wait for the canoe to come all the way down the Mekong Delta to get the parts. To get the parts, that's the way it is. If I tell people it's three months, that they look at me in horror. But uh, I say canoes take a long time when they're coming. I'm sure they come that way. Now, how are your eyes? Every time I see a watchmaker, you've got those big magnifying glasses on. And I was fortunate, Macca, because when I first started back in '66, my old boss Harry Bird, he said to me, "Always wear an eyepiece." 
and then you won't strain your eyes. And that's what I've done all my life. I can still grade diamonds. Did you tell me why you started in Watchmake? Uh, because when I was working in the Commonwealth Bank, they kept shifting me all around the place. And it's decided Mr Morris will report for duty here. Mr Morris will report for duty there. And you might have a girlfriend, but they didn't care. They just, you, you've got to go somewhere else. You'd be right now because they don't have branches anywhere, so (laughs) they can't send you anywhere. Well, when I left Redcliffe Branch, there were 42. There's none there now. You're right, Macca. You thought, this is no good. Something like that. I I needed to settle down in one spot where if I didn't get a girlfriend, at least I can keep going out with the same girl instead of phoning her from 2,000 miles away and saying, I'm up here now. Do you still work full-time or is it a hobby now? No, I, I, I still work... Not full time. I probably, to be honest, I probably work about three days a week, two to three days a week. We saw six clients yesterday, as an example. Seventy-seven years of age. I reckon that's all right. The, the old clocks in our family. My wife's mother has an old grandfather clock from 1823, and it's still going as well as the day it was bought. And Mr. Harrison, I suppose he's a hero of yours, is he? Well, when we went to England, we made a point of going to Greenwich. We made a point of looking at the chronometers. And don't forget, Captain Cook was able to do his voyages because of those chronometers. I always say, if we didn't have time, we wouldn't need watchmakers. And we're so short of time, we desperately need watchmakers. (laughs) Exactly. Doug, it's great to meet you. Keep up the good work. I don't think I'll throw those watches out now. I'll just leave them there. No, hang on to them, Macca, because if you look at the papers, if you've got some old Rolexes or old Amigas, some of those are worth good money, real good money. People are paying fairly expensive to get them repaired. Well, you've got to pay for quality. <laughs> Doug, great to talk to you, mate. <laughs> Thank you, Macca. Lovely to bump into you. That's what happens when you're in Brisbane. You walk around the street and you bump into people. What's your name? Nisi Kresh. Where are you from, Nisi? Uh, Tansy. It's about 45 minutes northwest of Gympie. Right, and what are you doing with these lovely young ladies? I came down today to take my granddaughter, who's from the Northern Territory and boarding in Brisbane. Hmm to lunch with her friends for her birthday. Great, Tom. Your name is? Um, Riley Williams. Riley, and you're from the Territory? Yeah. yeah. Whereabouts? A station near Tennant Creek, Brunette. Oh, Brunette Downs. Is it yeah. Brunette? Yeah. yeah. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. Have you? Yeah, once upon a time. So how's things on Brunette? Good, good. Yeah. We only just moved there. Tell me the story. We used to live out on Clonner Station near Cloncurry, mm. but then we just moved. Is it all right? Yeah, it's really good. And you go to school here in uh, in Brisbane? Yeah. Good fun? Yeah, it is. What really year are you in? Eight. I'll just talk to you one at a time. Your name is? Sarah. Where are you from, Sarah? I'm from Torwood near Gundawindi. You go to school here too, do you? Yeah. And what happens in Gundawindi? Um, not much. A lot of stuff usually, but yeah, not too exciting. You do three terms or four terms? And four terms. terms. Yeah. Four terms. And you always go home for the holes? Yeah. Yeah. Your name is? Emily. Emily. And tell me your story, Emily. I'm from Bolin. My oh, I'd love to go to Bolin. That's right out there, isn't it? Yeah. Past St George. Yeah. What do your family do out there? We work on a cattle station called Dillerman and you can be. Are you all in year eight? Yeah. yeah. Emily, did you want to tell me something? Oh, I just love listening to your song and so does my dad and I sing along to it. What's your dad's name? Derek. And what does he do? He's runs the place and yeah and my mum works for Suncorp agribusiness macker on a sunday morning <laughs> your name uh holly and where are you from holly um i'm from i'm on property off blackall uh-huh we, we were in blackall last oh no two years ago three years ago what happens in blackall 
Oh, you got a property there, yeah. Yeah, we just cattle, not much, just mustering and <laughs> all of that. Your name is? Elsie. I'm from Gundo Indy. Uh-huh. I live in town, came up to Brisbane for school. Good? Yeah. What do you like at school? I love living with my friends. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Yeah, I always wanted to go to boarding school. Um, I lived in the city and there was plenty of schools around, but I think there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things to be said about uh, going to boarding school. Um, I don't know, you, you sound like you, you really enjoy it. Yeah, it's really good. Your name is? Eliza Matthews. Where are you from, Eliza? Ballina. Oh, Ballina, we were just there. What a top spot. Oh, it's amazing. Lo- lovely beaches. Lovely. We don't live on a farm or anything, just locals in the town. Just locals in the town and you, yeah. and you come to Brisbane to go to school? Yeah. My parents went to boarding school and stuff and they thought it was a good opportunity and stuff. And yeah, I'm really happy, eh? And you all go to the same school? Yeah. yeah. What's, and what school's that? Stuart Home. Stuart Home. Come visit Bolin. <laughs> I would love to go to Bolin, actually. Come to Stuart Home. <laughs> it's a good place. We can do yeah. some advertising for Stuart Home for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Lovely to meet you girls and uh, happy birthday. And I'll see you in Bolin and wherever <laughs> along the track. Good on you. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, ABC uh, Brisbane is in South Bank and as you wander along the streets in South Bank you realise that um, it's full of people who are visiting Brisbane. Peter Scott didn't know about that because he's my uh, uh, producer. Just yeah, I'll move I'm that. You know, I'll just, oh, you're there, are you? Sorry. <laughs> you're there. <laughs> Lots of visitors come to South Bank. They yeah. seem to stay in South Bank, do they? Yeah, there's a lot of people that come to South Bank. It's it's sort of the tourist place with mm. the beach, you know, the man-made beaches down there. We should go because it's hot in Brisbane at the moment. Um, but culture and the library and the gallery, the art gallery and all that kind of stuff, all in South Bank and lots of restaurants and things. Tell me about this, Pete. What's, oh, yeah. what, what's that? Well, you were playing your blue wrens. Sorry, earlier. you were playing your blue wrens earlier. From yeah. where was that, Almara? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I hear when I go bushwalking because I'm I'm what? always going bushwalking in Lamington National Park, which is only forty five minutes from my place on the Gold Coast. Mm. And so this that's that's this thing that I hear in the trees all the time. Um, you yep. got it there. Yeah, yeah. I have, no, I haven't, but I will. It, yeah, go on. And it it just sounds like you're surrounded by cats. Uh-huh. Because it's a, it's a cat bird. It's a cat bird. Yeah. And the other thing is that you're going um, <coughs> shortly, aren't you, in a week or two, you're going to Tassie. Tassie, yeah. Did you hear Ling last week? She was, uh, uh, she called herself a Chinese-Australian or Australian-Chinese. Yeah. <coughs> she was working with Austrade, I think, and then now she lives in Australia and she she commutes um, regularly. She lives on the Gold Coast somewhere, yes, or the Sunshine right. Coast, and she goes down to Tassie. Was she in Sheffield? Yeah, she murals, was, yeah. yeah, but she goes bushwalking and you do that all the time too. And what yeah. is it about Tassie? Oh, I, I don't know. I just love it. I went there 20 years ago and friends, you know, I was used to bushwalking in Lamington National Park on form tracks and, you know, you couldn't go any, anywhere off track. But then my friends in Tassie took me to the walls of Jerusalem National Park where there was, it was just amazing, you know, just alpine, you could walk anywhere, you could camp anywhere, you could drink the water. It was just magic. And we were out there for three or four days and I fell in love with the place and so I go back every every year if I can. That's why you're such a rested, calm yeah, person because, right. well, it's very meditative, isn't it, it is. when you go walking, yeah. especially in the bush. I, I, think. Took, I took seven weeks off over Christmas last year before last 
And then I then I took another three days off to go walking in the bush in Tasmania, and I felt more rested after three days of walking in the bush than I did after seven weeks of sitting at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. All right. This time I'm going south coast track, so flying into Melaleuca, a little airstrip in southwest Tassie, and then walking back. All right. That's uh, Pete. Pete's got... Ricks and Chiros heads. Uh, that's in New South Wales, Rick. Yes, it is, Ian. Yep. What are you doing? Yeah, far south coast. I'm actually uh, walking. I walk 20 to 30 kilometres a day training to, uh, in August this year, walk 1,400 kilometres from uh, uh, Brisbane south to uh, Bowral in uh, uh, commemoration for the uh, government announcement of 50 years since the full withdrawal of all our troops from Vietnam. There you go. So how far are you work, walking? Um, 1,400K. Wow. Um, yeah, from Brisbane down. Uh, yeah, it's also to uh, create further awareness of a program called Honour Our Fallen, which uh, uh, we get uh, facilitators in each country town to... Uh, uh, to have the or get the numbers of uh, veterans in their cemetery, uh, list the uh, the names and then give it to the local schools. They do research on the uh, the diggers that are in their cemetery and then on Anzac Day and uh, Remembrance Day for a week, they place an Australian flag on the uh, the gra- on each grave uh, of every uh, digger and. Um, I have spoken to uh, to you before uh, when we first started in 2018, and we're now in 180 cemeteries around Australia, but a lot more to go. So, Rick, tell me your story. Why are you so um, uh, interested uh, in uh, Vietnam? I was uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, the few that uh, won the lottery uh, and was conscripted in in uh, 1968. And uh, had two years uh, uh, national service and twelve months with uh, six battalion in uh, in for their their uh, tour of uh, Vietnam. So you live in uh, and you live in Brisbane? No, I I uh, currently live in uh, Churros Head, which is the, down the far south coast, uh, south just south of uh, Batemans Bay, Maruya. Uh, between Maruya and Badala. Yeah, so you're walking from Brisbane to Barrel. What? When are you doing that? I do that. Um, leave Brisbane on the uh, the 18th of August, which is Vietnam Veterans Day, and uh, uh, hope to uh, walk 30 uh, to 40 kilometres a day, arriving in um, Barrel. Uh, and Barrel. And Barrel. Yeah, what? Why? Barrel was the uh, was my home for uh, 20, uh, 20 odd years, uh, and uh, I was originally going to uh, walk from uh, west coast to east coast, but I uh, I thought I would start off by uh, a shorter walk, uh, yeah, from Brisbane to uh, to Barrel to see how I held hold up at seventy five years of age. I was going to say you you were born in about nineteen fifty. Would that that be right? 1948. 1948. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and so. How long will the walk take you? About two months. Uh, uh, no, I'm I'm uh, working out about uh, yeah forty forty to fifty days. 
um, yeah, just uh, if I can keep up the uh, the thirty the pace, yeah. kilometres a day. Yeah. Well, yeah. good luck so, to you, Rick. Yeah, thanks. And and just if I could throw in, um, if anyone is interested in uh, supporting the uh, the cause, uh, if they could just to go to GoFundMe uh, and look up uh, Honour Our Fallen. Honour Our Fallen. Honour Our Fallen, Vietnam, 50 years on. Good on you. Good luck, Rick. Appreciate everything you do, Macca. Thank you, mate. Bye. Good morning, Macca. Good morning. Um, I'm speaking from Ballerine Lakes, just out of Geelong. Yeah, tell me. Well, it's a it's a great spot. There are about uh, twelve retirement villages down in this Bellarine Peninsula, Macca, and uh, uh, we're all enjoying life down here. And of course, Victoria's come alive this uh, this week because AFL has started. <laughs> what what's your name? Your name's Peter, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And in, in that that's what you rang me to tell uh, that. Uh... Yeah, well, I really, I really rang to tell you how the All Over News was fantastic this morning because. I happened to know uh, uh, Fergus Fish, and uh, he interviewed, and uh, his uh, his grandparents started the Qantas exercise, and I thought that was brilliant. That's right. Well, I just bumped into him. I was in Almara, and we had a little crowd of people that turned up. I mentioned I was going to be in Almara, and uh, which is near Grafton, and and, yeah. and a whole pile of little people turned up. It was great, and and I realised uh, while I was talking to him that Fergus Fish was in fact the grandson of uh, Sir Hudson. Yeah, well, that's right. He played a big part in Australia and Qantas, and of course. Uh, uh, but I think the all over years is really good. But uh, you excelled yourself this morning. It was brilliant. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Peter. Just between you and me, it kills me. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's. Well, I thought it was a, a, you know, it was an opportunity too good to miss, and it's and it's sort of our news. It's not. We don't talk about, you know, I mean, Paul Keating's been in the news this week, but we, we sort of eschew that sort of news and we get other things. And, you know, when you when I talked to Hudson, uh, Fergus, sorry, Fergus Fish, I thought, I'm talking to him, I thought, this bloke's related to Sir Hudson Fish. And it was yeah. a lovely little story and the bloke about diamonds and he says, oh, my, my eyes are still good, I can still grade diamonds. And I thought, I should have spoken to him about grading diamonds. <laughs> That'd be an interesting life too, wouldn't it, Pete? Oh, certainly would be, yes. It'd be uh, very wealthy. Perhaps I have to live in South Africa, though, somewhere. Uh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed the All Over News, Peter, and, yeah. uh, and I'm glad the AFL has started. And don't you think Tasmania should be in the competition? I do. Yeah. Well, I think it could be in there, but uh, there's been some upsets this week, and uh, that's been fantastic for the game. And uh, uh, we look forward to hearing more of you, and uh, good luck. Good. Thanks very much, Pete. Nice to talk to you. Cheer them up. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Di Macca. Hi, Di. Um, I just left Inglewood in Victoria. Uh, I'm in my horse and cart, and at the moment we're going up a bit of a hill. I didn't know there was hills out here. Oh, poor old Harry thinks it's tough because I've got the kitchen sink in my wagon. And what do you tell us what you're doing, Di? I'm just going for a holiday over to Bort, which is in central Victoria. There's some nice lakes over there. Yeah. And uh, we just took off and thought we'd go for a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks holiday. But the wind yesterday and the heat, we had to hold up at the 
bought, um, not bought, Inglewood footy ground. The people were nice. And it was 37, 38 degrees and there was a swimming pool, but it was closed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Isn't that typical on a, on a, a belter <laughs> of a day? What, <laughs> why was it closed, you know? I think they closed on the long weekend, put that, you know, for the winter break. There was some young boys skimmed up over the fence. It was about 12 foot high. I did look at it, but I thought, oh, <laughs> I'd get stuck on the top and I'd have, they'd blame me for everything. So I went back to camp and sat in the heat and the wind. Isn't that amazing? Um, so, Di, tell me your story. You, you, This is your life. You travel in your horse and cart. What's your horse's name? Harry, Harry the Horrible at times. He's, can you hear him? <laughs> Harry the Horrible. Keep your voice down. He'll, he'll play up. Uh... He's dropping now because we're going up a hill. He's sort of, my tracks go from one side of the road to the other because he's pulling, so he sort of weaves to get the load a bit easier. Yeah, so you so... said you've got a hill. So, and you live on, on in your caravan, you Horse and cart? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an old driver's wagon. I've got a bed and a fridge, a solar panel, so I can, I've got all the modern cons. Oh, there you go. And you travel around to various things and when you find a yeah. festival on, you turn up and say yeah, day. And... I don't go to the festivals, but uh, yesterday it was lovely. They they seen the horse, the Clydesdale, and the old, the old people's home brought down a, car, a load of people to see the horse and the, the ladies and the men, they were just beautiful. I, I put a bit of time with them and, to, and you know, that some of the things, the stories they told you of their parents having horses and working the farm was, it was absolutely wonderful. I quite enjoyed that. So how long have you been doing this, Di? Uh, well, many, many, many years. I think I set out with a horse and cart in 1974. And I've gone through a few horses and a few carts. Of course, I had to work, so that's that always spoils your fun. <laughs> well, so, sounds like you've survived and thrived, Di. Yes, I have. I have. I have, you have a few hiccups and that, and you just keep going. My son thinks I should stop, but I said the Queen had horses till she died. So I guess that's how it'll be. Yeah, can't argue with that logic, no. <laughs> All right, Di. Well, I hope, yeah, it's amazing that the pool's closed on the long weekend for winter and it's still, <laughs> we haven't had, well, winter hasn't really started, but it, maybe it'll start. Somebody said today there's well, a bit of autumn in the air, but not here where I am and yeah. not in Sydney. I bit, yeah. I was a bit of a mug. I thought it was going to be good weather for the horse. You know, you can't go in the heat and... I left and then all of a sudden the weather turned hot, but I'm heading up for, for the Loddon River sort of today, so we only do 5Ks an hour, so I won't quite make it. But anyway, we'll find a dam. Feed of yabbies will be good. Yeah, a lot of yabbies around after the floods apparently, certainly in South Australia. But um, I, yeah. know. I didn't have much luck when I was fishing and trying to catch them, but, um, yeah, we'll try again. All right. Well, nice to talk to you, Di. Good on you. Okay, Macca, hooray. Good on you. Bye. Hi, Macca, it's Rob here. G'day, Rob. How you doing? Yeah, good. That's good. Mate, we're just, uh, I was listening to your radio station and I uh, heard that you had uh, Matt on there before from Rockhampton travelling to a 16 boats to Perth. And uh, we're doing the same thing, but we're doing it for surf life saving. So we're from a small club at Dickey Beach on the Sunshine Coast. 
and we've got uh, a couple of boats and heading over to Perth ourselves for the Australian titles. Gee, I'd love to go. There'll be uh, heaps of people. Did he say 5,000 people are heading towards Perth with uh, either racing shells or um, surf, surf boats? Yeah, so he's got the shells, so he's doing uh, still water rowing, but we've got the surf life saving. So there's approximately 90 different events in surf life saving. So we've got our board and ski trailer in front of us, so someone else is towing that. Uh, for our iron men and uh, iron women, and wow. then our swimmers and our board paddlers, but we've we've got the uh, I've got two surf boats on board, so ours are a little bit different to his. We're, our, his are about 30 to 60 kilos, ours are 200 kilos each. They're made to go through waves and get rolled over, and uh, sort of certainly built a lot stronger than than their still water ones. So we're towing them over, but there's approximately 300 clubs on the east coast. And probably half them will be travelling to the West Coast for the Aussie titles. So, Rob, the important thing, I suppose, for you, it's like people looking at the weather if they're going to have a barbecue or a wedding outside. <laughs> you'd be looking at the surf. I mean, I suppose you like a bit of surf, but there's a, it's like with everything, there's a happy medium, isn't there? Yeah, we're, depending on what skill level your crew's at, uh, we've got some fairly highly skilled crews, so we're hoping that the, uh, the old wind doctor gets up in... Western Australia and puts a little bit on for us, a little bit of chop and a little bit of swell is, uh, makes it exciting so it's not as boring as just sitting there rowing and um, makes it an exciting week for all everyone that's travelling that far to, uh, to race. Yeah, so Rob, what do you, what's, your, what's your role? Are you a sweep or a rower? Or... Yeah, I row for years and then I've uh, transitioned into the back of the boat so I sw- you become a sweep but also their coach and mentor so... Uh, we've got four crews travelling over, under 23 boys, under 23, two under 23 girls and under 19 girls crew heading over there to race. And more more girls involved than ever, I, I expect. Yeah, it, it was a male-dominated sport up to the early 90s and then transitioned into the uh, women into the sport and they've really taken to a lot of the uh, different sports in life-saving and surf boats is just as much as any other one. There's a, in fact, there's just as many females as males competing now in, in surf boats. So, Rob, you're in Warwick this morning. So how long is your trip now going to take you? So we left early this morning. Uh, we're just coming into Inglewood. We're going through Warwick into Inglewood. Uh, I'll probably stay at Gilgandra tonight, and then I'm going to try and do about 800k a day, uh, get over there in five or six days' time. Isn't it amazing to think about how people... Make these there, and it's really a pilgrimage, show, Rob, isn't it? You just you you're not. There's no money in big money involved in this. You're doing it because you love it and because it's part of what you do. Um, and if you have to travel four thousand k's, will you do it? Yeah, we really rely on sponsorship because there is no money in it. So we've got some great sponsors for a little for a little club that we are. We, are, we travelled to Sydney last month for the Australian Australian rowing titles. Uh, in Bulleye Beach in Wollongong. Um, that was a great week down there, and our girls won that one. So it's, um, yeah, another pilgrimage is off. Not all our crews are going, but, yeah, the ones that uh, look like they can get a medal certainly go across to try and win something over in Perth. And it's always exciting too, I think, isn't it, Rob? I've, to do something like that, if you go away with your your team or whatever it is, um you remember that all your life, especially when you're youngsters and stuff. You remember that all the time, and and it's a great, you know, to meet other people, and it's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, well, we'll we'll 
we'll cross over a lot of other clubs on the way over. Um, and uh, we're sharing our boat. Actually, Mark Cooler Surf Club couldn't afford to get their boat over, so they've, um, they're going to jump in our boat um, and use ours. So we'll sort of team up and stay under the same tent with them over the, over the week. And um, it's the end of our season too, so this is the last hurrah, really. We've, um, we've had competition all through summer, so this is the last event for the year. Rob, good luck and uh, travel safely, mate. Thanks for your call. No worries. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Morning, Macca. I'm Kevin. I'm a potato grower from Ballarat. Oh, we love spuds. Everybody loves spuds. Kevin Moore. Yeah, unfortunately, there's uh, there's a major shortage underway of frozen potato chips because uh, the uh, we as as a nation we rely on uh, three quarters of our stuff is locally produced, but there's a quarter come from overseas, and that hasn't uh, because of global warming and all weather fluctuations and pandemics, the supply chain is completely fractured there. So got to rely on our own crops to, to grow spuds for chips. Yeah, and how long have you been growing uh, spuds for chips, Kevin? Oh, I, my, my family's been growing potatoes for a long time now, 40, 50 years at least. And what, what are the varieties? There's, is there something, there's hundreds of varieties, isn't there, of potatoes? And they, there it's... is hundreds, and, uh, and specifically the ones we grow are all for specifically picked out for their chipping qualities. Kel, what was the – Ernie in Ernie in Kindred in Tassie, um, he was growing spuds, wasn't he, for, for chips, McCain's yeah. or so, – what, what? Yeah, he grows for McCain's, I think, yeah. No, they weren't Kennebride. They were – I forget uh, the – Rust at Burbank or Innovator. No, they weren't – no. Atlantic, maybe. No, keep, <laughs> keep going. Bliss. Bliss. <laughs> No, anyway, I don't think he, I don't think Ernie grows spuds anymore. And he, he was he was growing spuds, and then he was, and then he grew peas, and then he, it's, it's amazing. And then the last time I spoke to him, which was a good while ago, fifteen years ago, yeah. maybe he was growing kale. Ah! Oh. Every time I oh, see oh, kale, right. <laughs> um, yeah, which well, to me tastes like plastic. But that's <laughs> that's well, another the, thing. The, the back the. History of the sign is the Osnet one who uh, put this big 85 metre tower line from Sydney up to Ararat, and they want to go straight through the spud area, and that'll cost us about 2,000 acres. They'll confiscate about 2,000 acres of prime uh-huh. agricultural land, which is equal to anything in Australia. Wow. It's got irrig- irrigation and everything just to hold up the towers. Oh, and, uh, that's the reason why I read that email this morning. Somebody said that's there's, right. there's a there's a sign ploughed into the hillside, um, that's right. and it said something rude, Osnet. Um, I won't <laughs> say what it is, but uh, go away, Osnet, or something. And that's what so, this was about. Yeah. So that that two thousand acres, a twenty five ton, will cost us fifty thousand ton of potatoes, and uh, that'll. Uh, ensure a short supply of potatoes well into the future. So we can't understand why any government would support some proposal where they make food an essential service, uh, uh, either prohibitively expensive or being unable to source it at all. And and the Osnet Tower, that's what, is that mobile phones, is it? No, no, it's Osnet uh, uh, 50... 50,000 
bolt power line. It's funny, isn't it? Because I had a, um, a a short email from Dick Smith the other day because a bloke from Batlow rang us. Um, yeah. Uh, what was his name, Kel? The bloke from Batlow. Um, Robbie. Uh, Barney. That's right. Barney from Batlow. That's right. The two Bs, the alliterative Barney from Batlow. And he said um, they're building those uh, towers uh, around their place and they were, they're were they very concerned. And then yeah. Dick, Dick sent me a note. He said he was interested to um, hear Barney from Batlow. Sounded like a nice bloke. He said... Um, I don't know if people realise that because of the way we're restructuring our power with all the all the lines that we've got now and our use, they'll be building more and more and more of these everywhere because that's what you've got to do when you use renewables. The renewables come from different places. So all of a sudden you'll have these, uh, and I don't know the story, but that's what Dick, I should get Dick, we should get Dick on to explain what's going on, Kel, because yeah. most of us are blithely unaware of it and only when somebody like Kevin here rings from Ballarat and he tells us what's happening in his neck of the woods or Barney from Batlow. Um, see, they won't go down the main street of George Street, but nothing goes down the main street of George Street now. Uh, but if you know what I mean, it's not yeah. in the city, it's not around my place, but it's uh, everybody in the country, they have to cop it in the neck. And there's no... Yeah, so we don't seem to have any planning at all. Oh, yes, renewables are wonderful, and they are, but the there's corollaries to all of this. And Well, it's... They supposedly to protect the environment, but they're destroying all the local environment. And here on the way along, they've got to cut a big swathe through the Lurderberg Forest and the Wombat State Forest. The thousands of gum trees are going to get levelled as well. Uh, so there doesn't seem to be many pluses for this. And with uh, some of our friends who've got these down in the uh, Melton area, these 50,000 volt ones can walk underneath them with a fluorescent tube and they'll start to glow. Wow. So so we're worried that uh, all that radiation will seep into the potato crops. And well, uh, we all know what too much radiation with the hole in the ozone layer leads to. Kevin, nice to talk to you. Thank you for no that. No worries, Marcus. Thank you. I'll try and get Dick Smith on and uh, he can uh, um, tell us the, the deal, the real deal. Good luck right. with your spuds, mate. Keep keep doing the keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, mate. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Dick Smith. Good morning. Hi there, Macca. How are you? I'm very well, Dick. Um, I remembered uh, when we talked to Bernie from Batlow, and you said, "Oh, that's a that's a great message," because I don't think people realise what's going on. I don't know if you just heard Kevin, who's a potato grower in. Ballarat, but he said they're going to lose 50,000 tonnes because Osnet Towers are taking all their land from them. So, and you, oh. you, you, um, you s- sent me a short email. It's only a couple of lines, but you said that's going to happen more and more. Yeah, definitely. Look, the, there's this move. That you'll be told that we're going to go 100% renewable. Now, no country in the world's done that. I believe it's absolutely impossible. I think we need to have some nuclear power in the mix, but we're not even allowed to talk about it. We have laws that you're not even allowed to talk about it. But their plan is, in trying to go 100% renewable, is to have the most incredible industrial wind farms and then pump storage hydro and then these incredible, literally hundreds more of these enormous grid power lines, which will ruin people's farms, ruin their countryside and when I was listening to your show and I heard the people at Batlow, I understand because of Snowy 2, which is a, 
pumped hydro system. There's going to be huge power lines just going across people's beautiful properties. And that's, I think that's really terrible. Uh, and I, I don't think many people realise that because, you know, the coal-fired power stations that uh, exist now but will be closed, the lines coming from there are no good to anyone anymore, are they? They don't want no. those. So, so what, they dismantle those and build them somewhere else? No, I think they're going to leave those as well. I think to try and get, see, the problem with wind and solar is it's intermittent and the AEMO have put out, a, the Australian Energy Market Operator have put out a, a plan but I've read it and I don't think it's genuine because I don't think it shows there. I don't think they've put in enough extra power lines and enough extra windmills because what you've got to try and do is get wind somewhere in Australia and solar somewhere in Australia at all times. And I think they've only allowed for between four to six hours of storage when you could lead days of storage if you're trying to run the complete country off intermittent wind. And I think it's impossible what we should do is where there's a power station, a coal power station, we should put in what they call a small modular reactor, which is run from uranium, that we've got more stores than anyone in the world. Mm -hmm. And then you don't need all the extra power lines and all the extra industrial windmills on our beautiful mountaintops. That's all not required. It seems like common sense, Dick. Is But as I say, most people who are living in the suburbs and the cities of Australia... They don't realise this and it really doesn't concern them, does it? Because uh, um, it's not in their place, so it doesn't no. really matter. They're not going to have power lines down their main street or their suburb. No, the, the, the grid power lines then have to have all the magnificent forests below the power line all completely cleared for fire purposes. Otherwise, you'll get the, the power can jump over and, and light a fire. So you have to have these incredible clearings. So you'll go onto Google Maps and you'll think, what's that with this great clearing running across the, the beautiful Blue Mountains? And oh, that's just one of the extra power lines we need. The other thing is, uh, the, my, my green friends say to me, oh, Dick, you can, the, because the batteries will never be able to supply enough power because they're so expensive, we'll have to have pumped hydro storage like Snowy 2. And that means magnificent valleys are going to be inundated with water, flooded water. And then there has to be two dams, one up high, one down low, and one dam has to be empty. And because the water's coming in and out, it means the empty dam has erosion and the whole thing will just fill up with mud. So to me, it it's, hasn't been thought out properly, Macca. Uh, as usual with many, many things, uh, hasn't been thought out properly. Dick, nice to talk to you. Listen, Dick, can I can I say that somebody had a birthday yesterday? Yeah, I was seventy-nine yesterday. Seventy-nine. I'm down at the farm. I'm down at the farm at Bowali, and we've got a flying today. We've got twenty fixed-wing planes coming in, and, and ten helicopters coming in. Uh, have a good time. I'm just going to sing a happy birthday, Dick, and I've got two chemists here, Bob and uh, Vince. They're going to help me sing happy birthday to you. And uh, thank you very much. And Lee's here to happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dick. Happy birthday to you. Ah, happy birthday, Dick. I thank you very much, and great to talk everyone all around Australia. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. 
Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.